The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's Tannehill and Spiller PowerCat podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here are your hosts, former K-State tight end Travis Tannehill and former Wildcat safety Monte Spiller. Welcome back to the Tannehill and Spiller podcast. It's myself, Travis Tannehill. Got Monty Spiller next to me inside the uh, the Go Power Cat podcast booth. Monty? Hey, um, we got a victory. That is true. We got a victory. That on, is true. On the road against a, um, I would say, traditionally a explosive Texas Tech offense and a uh, – traditionally not so great defense but I think roles will kind of uh, flip uh, this past Saturday uh, you know the defense played well the first half and in their offense not so much but uh, it was it was kind of a surprise yeah a little bit of surprise especially that first half I mean six to three at the half I think uh, I think everyone was a little shocked on that if anyone had the under for the first half that's uh, definitely won that bet but uh, yeah it was and it wasn't like I mean a lot of times you see those six to three ball games or at halftime you know it's thirty different penalties four different turnovers like, no it was just a punting duel yeah it was it w- just a defensive <laughs> duel and I mean they were playing decent football yeah just not on the right side not on the offensive side of the ball and I agree I think the defense is on both sides of the ball. Um, I expect that of K-State, but not so much out of Tech. But both defenses were flying around, and you kind of alluded to it uh, early, early in one of the podcasts. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. But teams were kind of figuring out our offense, and they would run blitz um, first and second down. And, and Tech came out, they slanted, and, and they brought um, the backer from inside. And basically it was a calculated blitz expecting K-State to run the ball, and they had some early success against that. Yeah, and that's one of the things that this Kansas State offense is going to have to just to because I, mean, I think it was first play of the game even they, right. they brought a you know obvious running down yep um they brought pressure through the a gap or the b gap and blew up the play got there before the pulling guard could get there mm-hmm. and and that's just something that this offense you know we talk about keeping teams honest so often and usually it's just run versus pass yeah and i mean this is gonna have to be run versus pass versus run with a lot of polars versus downhill running versus power scheme zone scheme so there's a lot of different things this offense can do to keep teams honest because i think the script's kind of been written on this this coach mess and coach climbing offense and and how to beat it yeah and if you can or at least initially and so this offensive staff is going to have to adjust to that and i'm sure they will yeah i'm sure up at uh north dakota state that you know the, the, the teams they were going against figured it out once or twice as well so they they gotta have a counter to those run blitzes because right now um you know especially that first half again it, yeah. i mean it, it's working against against k-state definitely and i think uh, kind of talking back going back to the offense i think they well i know for a fact they threw a few new wrinkles in um to kind of keep guys off off track i know uh i'm pretty sure you saw it too a lot of times and they were open we just didn't connect they brought um brown out of the backfield um up the seam and it was open several times i think we uh, connected maybe once or twice but we probably didn't connect two or three times where if he catches the ball he runs for a significant amount if not a touchdown so i think you know going into this week iowa state is going to 
have to be aware uh, of the fact that they can't just bring somebody because if they do, uh, either being um, Brown or another back, they have to stay honest and, and watch that guy up the scene. Yeah, and I love that they got they got Malik and Youngblood involved in the run game a little bit. Both of them had three they carries, did. so. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a six carries out of the rushing carries. That's a pretty uh, decent chunk, you know, at least a somewhat measurable percentage of the rushing plays, um, at least trying. Because I think, I mean, especially Malik, and we'll see how that injury pans out, um, whether it was a shoulder injury or a forearm injury. I think they're still a little, uh, still a little up in the air. But he, he's just too good not to get the ball. Yeah. And, I, and he's too good. And it's, you know, teams can take away – it's pretty easy to put a cheat safety over the top and take away a receiver. I mean, yeah. Malik is good, but he's not good enough to beat double coverage no. 10 times a game. No, it's not going to happen. And still find a way to get him 10 receptions a game where, I mean, if you hand the ball off to him, he's going to get the ball. Yeah. So I think he's – and I like that strategy that coaching staff is doing for him and Youngblood mm-hmm. to get them involved a little bit in the run game, especially while Kansas State is beat up at that running back position. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the good thing about it, at the receiving position, are those guys – they're receivers on the roster, but – between you and I, we know they're athletes. You can put them pretty much anywhere oh, on yeah. the offensive side of the ball as far as skill, which helps us out because we are banged up so much at running back. And moving forward, you know, the thing I get excited about, the guys that are producing, um, Malik Knowles and uh, Youngblood, they're young guys. They're freshmen, man. You know, freshmen and redshirt freshmen, they're they're making plays like seasoned vets, which is awesome for us moving forward. And I know Scholar has to be excited about that for the rest of the season and for next year uh, to help him out. On the flip side of the ball, you know, both sides of the ball, we had some injuries happen, you know, unfortunately with Malik. But also, um, uh, Walter Neal Jr., he went out uh, early in the game. And one one player that stuck out to me, uh, number two, um, he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, let me see. What's his name? I was looking at him earlier. Robinson. Robinson. That kid made some plays, and I love his confidence. He was – man up they didn't have help over the top and he didn't blink once and he he made a couple of good plays on air that where a lot of guys seniors juniors sophomore freshmen would have panicked and he didn't and he made some plays so i'm excited to see him get some playing time and actually it's robinson i apologize it is robinson you said yeah, right? robinson robinson and the other guy 55 fletcher, fletcher. yep that kid he i mean i was like where you been yeah he made a couple <laughs> good plays that yes, dude, but yeah cody fletcher he was probably the guy that stuck out to yeah, me the most on defense. Yeah, yeah. Just, I'm trying to think. He had one, was it a pass break? He had one good play real early, like one of his first snaps. Yeah. They came after him. I think, it was, no, it was a pass out in the flat. Yeah, he, he just came he up, came made up a good, and killed a guy. Yeah. Made a really good uh, open field tackle. And there was another time, I think it was in third quarter, he dropped, got his depth in yep. coverage. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, had his zone and deep in his zone. Yeah. And was able to would break the pass up. And, I mean, yeah, we saw some numbers and some faces out there <laughs> making plays. That I mean, I'm I, I'm I gotta check the roster just like everyone else sometimes. I'm, I'm like, man, who are these guys? We're, we're and that's you know, depth is getting a little better. You guys are getting some experience. Quality, and, quality depth. Yep, that's so. a, that's a difference. You, you know, you and I both know that quality depth. And the fun thing about it is, guys are stepping up that we haven't seen outside of special teams getting some significant snaps. Um, 
uh, in a regular um, scheme of things, offensive defense, and, and they're making plays, and they're young guys. So we have a lot of returning quality individuals along with that class that they're bringing in. So I'm excited, man. Yeah, Taylor and Brooks, too, in the, in the passing game, getting yeah. two touchdown receptions. So, I mean, a lot of new faces getting the ball thrown to them. It wasn't just the uh, just the Schoen and the and the Knowles show, yeah. which it sometimes is, and I'm not against that. <laughs> no. Um, but but it, it's easy to take away one guy. It's a little harder to take away two guys that when you lose Malik to an injury – yeah. I mean, guys got to step up, and, and they did on the defensive side of the ball, and it sounded like we got out pretty healthy on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So it was uh, for as boring as the first half was. We'll put it this way. The first half was, like, very boring. Very. I was like, man, alive. Second half, much better. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and, and we got the fireworks started. You know, they scored, and then it's how many times – has it been three times this year where a team scores and we go down and, and all of a sudden we return the kickoff? The one time it was uh, Malik. The next time, next two times it was Youngblood where, you know, special teams. And, and I saw where uh, Jordan Nelson tweeted out, um, nothing like seeing a staple in K-State football, you know, uh, special teams showing up. And I, I couldn't agree more. I Dude, love it. I, know. I love it, man. So that's fun to watch. And I think – I think Kansas State fans get a little spoiled because if you look statistically at kickoff returns and punt returns, I mean, there's teams that don't have a return in a decade. <laughs> there's teams that go five, six, ten years yeah. without a touchdown return. Mm-hmm. And for sure not one a year. I mean, no. the, the I, I don't know what the average is, but the average is less than one return touchdown a year across the country. And Kansas State, I mean, is that a thir- third? Uh, third or fourth this year. Yeah. yeah, counting punt returns and kick returns. So. Yeah, so. And the thing about, hey, but it's good to be spoiled, but it's expected. It's I part love of, being it's part, spoiled. It's part of the culture, man. <laughs> That's something that K-State has taken pride in over the years, quality special teams. You got, and not just the guy returning the ball. I know, you know, I got my playing time starting as a redshirt freshman on special teams, you know. I remember the first time I blocked a punt against Colorado. I was on, you know, seventh, I was in clouds. I'm like, hey, Shoot. I'm not starting, but I'm on special teams and I made a play. So I was just excited about it so yeah it's special teams are definitely special at k-state so yeah I, I i played a bunch of special team snaps as well and i was always just like the wedge <laughs> or the uh the, the the shield on punt or the wing on field goal. I was the boring spot. But very important. Very uh, nah, very important. I, <laughs> Coach Dick, Coach Dickey, great guy. But you because you, so, so the wing yeah. on, on field goal, the last guy on the edge is uh you know, you got a guy coming in. You're all you're one guy short, so I got to take up two guys. And literally, like your job description was to get your butt kicked slowly. He was like, just get your butt kicked as slowly as possible. Like we don't, we only need you to hold it for a split second, as long as they don't get a free run. And of course, butt wasn't the word that was being used in that building. But no. it was. Uh, I, I was pretty good at getting my butt kicked slowly. There you go. There you, as long as you didn't get exposed. Everybody was okay. Yeah, but I don't think I ever yeah. – never let up a punt and Good. never let up a, a field goal. So, And I was part of on the wedge on kickoff return, so I was able – Shoot, we had Lockett back there. It was easy. It was oh, yeah. like just run down the field, and he made you. He's so good at setting up your oh, blocks. Man. I was like, I'll just run, and he sets up my block for me, and the guy runs into me. So he's a special dude. Dude, I, I think you he what. had a good day today in the NFL too, or a good day Sunday in the yeah. NFL. So. Yeah, you might be right. Um, going back to the, to the game, our D line. You know, as many snaps as they played, those guys, and I just love watching them play. You know, and a lot of time, you know, Hubert is the big name guy, and and, and I'm not one to really criticize officiating but our d-line got held <laughs> a lot that wasn't called and they were whooping those guys butts on the right side but kudos man shout out to our d-line walker hubert ball uh Mitty, 
I know some probably a couple of guys I'm missing, but at the tempo that Tech plays, and as big and strong as those guys are, they have to get winded. And our coaching staff did a great job of um, subbing guys in and out. But regardless, they were getting to the ball um, pretty much every snap. The quarterback from Tech he did a good job of getting out quick, but it, he didn't really have a clean pocket a majority of the game. Yeah, I think that you just mentioned it, getting the ball out quick. That's got to be so frustrating as a defensive line. Because you know, I mean, if they're taking five-step drops and holding on to the ball, you know every single snap you got a chance to get there. Yeah. When that quarterback's getting the ball out in a split second, like Texas Tech was, yeah. you got to rush hard the whole entire game. And just from a timing standpoint, even if they didn't block you, you're probably not going to get there most of the time. So right. you, the, just the mental, emotional side of just keeping your head down and keep playing hard. Because before that, I say, like, all right, you know, I'm probably not going to make a difference on this play, but I still got to play hard just in case. Uh-huh. And that's uh, and they did. Because you see guys not – you see guys come off the ball and – you know, start looking at the quarterback's eyes and trying to get their hands up. And it's like, you know, that's not how you block knockdown passes. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you just got to recklessly come after the ball, the quarterback, and throw your hands up last minute, not not fire off the ball and try to jump up and get it. So it's uh, those guys did play. And, and I was getting a little worried there <laughs> in the late in the third and fourth quarter because they were looking gassed. Yeah. And then K-State, had, you know, Texas Tech had a good drive. I'm like, all right, we need a good long drive here from K-State. Give that defense a break, and boom, young blood returns a touchdown from the kickoff return. So I was like, well, that didn't work. Our yeah. defense is still gassed, but yeah. we'll uh, they'll, they'll take seven on the kickoff return any day of the week just like everyone else will. Oh, yeah, they found a way, you know, and it's one of those things, too, where um, going back to the game, the D-line did a phenomenal job, but one thing I did notice, and maybe you did, too, pre-snap um, adjustments or pre-snap good looks they gave, they had – Three safeties at the line of scrimmage and one guy deep and then a snap of the ball. Corners were bailing, end up playing safety. Safeties end up playing the flat to corner. So the uh, the defense did a great job of giving Tech multiple looks. And a lot of times I think that kind of forced them into bad passes or to pull the ball down. You know, their quarterback, he was a good scrambler and, and well with his legs. But a lot of times your average quarterback – who don't have the mobility like he did, he's either sacked or they're throwing the ball away. So I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see moving forward against Iowa State this week uh, if we threw some of the same things. Because I know Purdy, he's a great quarterback, but he does have a, a bad habit of uh, licking down receivers and throwing into some bad situations. So hopefully some of the things we did today, uh, I mean not today, I'm sorry, Saturday, can uh, give them the same problems come next week. Yeah, and I think uh... – Jeff Duffy, I mean, that QB for Tech, Duffy, he played a lot better than I was. I mean, he's well, good. Well, last year, we we dominated him last year. Yeah, I mean, he played, he played yeah. really well. He yeah. threw some really nice balls. Man, yeah. Had some really good scrambles. Yeah. And, I mean, just being I, – I watched – I watch a lot of Big Twelve ball, but like I haven't. Yeah. I've watched a game or two of Texas Tech casually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like I've I've broken down four hundred other snaps or anything. So, <laughs> but from what I had seen prior to what I saw on Saturday, mm-hmm. I mean he's gotten better, and, and I think that Texas Tech staff. I mean they got the pieces there hey, man. to 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 do to do all right. So and, and the funny thing about Tech, you know, there's one that's good. It's, it's West Texas, and it's not a whole lot outside of Lubbock uh, in an immediate area. And it's one of those things they've been able to recruit some quality guys to come out that way. And I'm going to give their coaching staff credit. I mean, they did a good job. Although some of the past plays they call were somewhat 
I don't know, kind of, I hate to say goofy, but it's third. What was with, like, the triple pass? Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, on third and three, I'm like, why are you throwing a triple pass? Yeah, but, like, it's all nothing. It was like, yeah. there was one time it was, like, a reverse pitch back, and, like, literally the ball moved, like, four feet. I was like, or the quarterback just could have, like, dropped back. Exactly, like, exactly. And no one had the ball long enough to, like, draw the defense. I know, I know. So, so yeah, I don't crazy. quite know. It was like, and the the play-by-play guy even called him out, like, what are they doing? Like, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, I don't know if they were just desperate because they understood that they had to win this game to even have a, the opportunity to become bowl eligible the following week. But, you know, who am I? I don't know what's going on in their heads. I don't know if they had injuries. I don't know if they saw someone film against K-State. They thought they could exploit, but I'm glad they did it because yep. it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> so. And uh, bring it play-by-play. Ben Lieber had the color on the game. He did a nice job. Yeah, so. Ben always does a good job. Yeah, ben, Ben's, a, Ben's a class act and, a, and purple at heart. I, I've called... I've called a couple K-State versus other games, mm-hmm. and it's hard to, oh. to not be biased. Yeah. And you almost overcompensate it, which I saw Ben getting a little flack on yeah. on social media <laughs> for, for being too hard. And first off, that. Ben's a defensive guy, so he's always going to favor with the defense, just yeah. like I favor with the offense because yeah. I'm an offensive guy. So I think most of the questionable calls happened when Tech was on defense. So mm-hmm. that's why you saw him favoring Tech a little bit. Yeah. But I also think when you're in that situation, you almost – subconsciously overcompensate mm-hmm. to make sure you don't come off as a K-State homer. Because I know deep down he wanted to he's bleeding purple <laughs> and he was cheering inside. And yeah. After that game, he was super pumped the Cats got the win. Yeah, I noticed that too. I kind of laughed uh, internally as I was watching the game by myself like a, like you and I both like to do. But he did a great job of um, keeping it professional and, and not being biased. And, and I did notice that he kind of jumped on uh, Tech's bandwagon just a little bit to kind of keep it uh, unbiased as you and I both know that he's a K-State grad and a, and a former player and, and part of the uh, program and, and, and helped build a history. So we, we appreciate him, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him. He does a great job every time I see him on air. So Yeah, he does a nice job, job. Good job, man. Great guy, great uh, guy representing the program and Definitely. getting out there in the national media scene and uh, and doing a nice job. So we, we, we all good with uh, – you all good with Tech? Yeah, I'm good with Tech. Okay. You know, it was a win that we needed to get going into this week's game against uh, Iowa State. Um as I wanted to call you, but at the beginning, um, Trav Domus, or instead of Nostradamus, <laughs> Trav Domus, <laughs> since you uh, dictated that when dictated, you predicted that we'll be 8 and 4. Hey, one game away. One game away, baby. One game away. Six o'clock game. Um, it might be a little chilly. It's Kansas, six o'clock. Yeah, chilly and wet. <laughs> oh, I hope it doesn't rain. But uh, it should be an interesting game. You know, Iowa State, um, they're both eligible, I believe. And, and so, you know, we always. Have a battle. I know most of the listeners probably realize and understand that the nickname is Farmageddon between two schools that are ag-heavy schools and take a lot of pride in their um, their um, fan base and the students that come here. And so it should be a fun game. I'm excited. You know, we can go eight and four. Um, I don't want to look ahead, but I'm kind of curious to see who we're going to get matched up with in a bowl game. Shoot, eight and four with a chance to be nine and nine and four sounds real good. Yeah, it sounds nine really and good. four after a bowl win sounds real good. Yeah, seven and six, mm. correct? That's what it would be. Yeah, my yeah. math is all right there. Yeah, seven and six. Yeah, that's like barely five hundred. Uh, no, yeah, it could be seven and six. if we lose. Yeah, yeah, two games, yeah lose and lose bowl games. Yeah, we don't want to do six, it. No, so. no. But going back to uh, this weekend, Thursday, eighty percent, one inch of snow, mm. forty. Friday, 53 and rainy, half inch of rain. Okay. 
Saturday, 45, partly cloudy. So, But the high is 45, right? High of 45, night game, low of 27. <laughs> yeah, it'll be dark by then. It's going to be dark. And, and then Sunday, inch of snow. So <laughs> we got three out of four days of moisture <sighs> surrounding uh, Saturday's kickoff. So I'll be there, yeah, rain or shine. I'll be there as well. Um, I'm excited. You know, we match up well. Iowa State is not the Iowa State that everybody thought they were going to be preseason, but they're definitely still a worthy opponent. Um, I think our defense, our linebackers are more than capable to give uh, Iowa State's quarterback and running back a little bit of a problem. I think our D-backs match up well no matter who's back there. Um, If our offense gets going, and our defense coordinator, he's a great defensive mind, but if our offense gets going early, we can frustrate them, and I think we can kind of run the ball if we choose to and and not physical in them. But that's one thing we have to – uh, get off early and start early and dictate our, and pose our will against them early. So I'm I'm curious to see. Yeah, and a pretty – I mean, overall, they want to do a lot of things Kansas State does. I mean, they want to run the ball. They want to, they're a pretty balanced team. They want to control the clock. Um, 42 passes last week. Let's see, 31, 33, 34 rushes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 42 to 31, that's a very uh, very balanced – Offense, especially in today's day and age, I mean, it's still, still slightly uh, pass heavy, but um, in today's day and age, that's that's about as balanced as you're going to get uh, from the from fellow Big Twelve opponents. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think I think both these teams are at a kind of similar similar situation. Obviously, uh, Iowa State seven and four as well. Yeah, struggled with KU though. They, you know, and it it, it pains me to say this out loud. <laughs> KU is not a bad team, you know. And think about, and it didn't. It doesn't surprise me that they gave them problems, and, and that they gave everybody problems. You know, we are one of the few times where I felt like the game, got, the, uh, the opposing team, dominated them. Yeah. You know. So, but a, as a K stater, you got to be a little bit confident coming home after a tough road win in Lubbock, where we didn't play a great game until the second half. You know, and I think the key to our victory, and it goes back to the the beginning of the season or the mid part of the season, our old line has to dominate. They have to dominate this game because they know what we're gonna do, we know what they're gonna do, but we gotta impose our will and it starts with the O line. Um it's gonna be senior day. All five yes. of our all five of our O linemen are senior. So I would think that that will light an, an extra fire. And those guys, to, you know, to go out their last home game here uh, with a win, you know. So I'm, I'm anxious to see those guys come out and take it to Iowa State. Yeah, senior night's always fun. Um, what's your thoughts on a f- home game after Thanksgiving? Like, I, I guess I've never just really paid attention. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, if the cra- I, Normally. The stand's going to be full. Yeah, I, I, I can't decide. I think so. I think because – and if they're not, I, I, I kind of understand. Yeah, I, I think it will because it allows the students to go home for Thursday. Yeah. And it still gives them Friday to recover um, from all the eating. And then with it being a 6 o'clock game, that allows a little more time for travel. Yeah. So I think most of the students will come back. And then there will be people who are back home visiting from other places who haven't had the opportunity to make a game that will come out as well because yeah. they're back home for the holiday. So I think it will be a decent crowd. Yeah. You know, so – it, it, I'd rather be a home game than an away game. I remember my junior year, maybe my sophomore year, I can't remember, we played UNLV 
out in Vegas um, after Thanksgiving. And I remember we couldn't go home, and obviously we were here getting ready for the game. So we all had Thanksgiving dinner at uh, our coach's house at the time. Bob Stoops was my coach, so we all went to his house and had Thanksgiving dinner. And we flew out uh, to, to Vegas the, the next day. So it's not that bad. Who knows? But I think uh, it'll be a good crowd, and especially after coming out the win and how can you not be excited about the program? So come yep. on out, yeah, come on out. Yeah, no, I hope, I, I hope people will come out because this is a. Uh, I think I saw Coach Kleiman with that win is already in like the top ten uh, winning percentage. So something. Yeah, I saw I'll, that I'll look too. it up next time you're talking. Yeah, about. I, saw, I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so I mean, this has been a pretty historic season so far. I mean, just the way uh, this team's been able to. Find a way to win ball games, man. And, and you know, the way we started, there was a lot of questions. After we beat Mississippi State, the people went to start to go, "Okay, wait a minute, maybe, maybe this was a good hire." Then you beat OU, and all of a sudden, you know, that bandwagon is top heavy because everybody's on. Shoot, <laughs> everybody's on. You I know, jumped on. I know, right? And, <laughs> and and then we lose a couple of close games. And if you think about the two losses that we had in Texas, okay, we should have won. And, and, and we let them get away with it. It is what it is. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, well, and, and excluding Baylor earlier because and Baylor is a lot better than we than realized. We thought, yeah. <laughs> so, Baylor is a lot better than anyone in the country thought. As well as Oklahoma State. They're, Oklahoma State's they're a lot better. better than too. And, yeah. So, so when we lost to those two guys, I was like, mm. but now looking back, okay, there's never a quality loss, but you lost to some good teams. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State and Baylor here. So, and then we lost to Texas, and then um we lost to um. Lost my train of thought. Who did we lose to last week? Help me out. I'm thinking too. Holy crap! West Virginia. West Virginia. That's there why, we go. There that's, it was. That's why I couldn't remember. Blake Siler's boys. Yeah, because I tried was, to. I tried to black that one yeah, out. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened to me. But you know, that, that was a bad loss. That's a game that we shouldn't have lost either. But moving forward, we won Saturday, and we could win this coming Saturday and finish off three in a row going into next season. I'm excited. Yep. I'm excited. Yep. I think this team. Uh, I, I I like. I think I saw five-point underdogs for at home, maybe four-point Yeah, uh, underdogs for Kansas State this weekend. So, and I think that's probably accurate. Iowa State's probably, um, you know, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, <laughs> I would feel a little more comfortable about putting money on Iowa State. So, But we'll see. But we I, hope, were, I hope the crowd comes out. We were underdogs against Tech, I believe. I believe we were like two-point underdogs. Yeah. Basically a wash. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they had a very poor crowd, so I don't, I don't know how much home field advantage it wasn't. that uh, that created. So, yeah. But it should be a fun weekend. Hopefully yeah. this weather holds. Um, hopefully everyone can uh, rest up from eating too much turkey on <laughs> Thursday and, uh, and get their butts in the seats and cheer loud and bring the team some energy. And that's one thing I would – like to touch on because I think this team this team when it has energy yeah. and it has emotion mm-hmm. like it played against KU in Oklahoma mm-hmm. when it has that fire it can be a pretty good team I agree when it comes out flat we are it's it's, 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 it's a boring yeah. boring bad football yeah. and and yes that's coach Kleiman's job and his staff to figure out a way to get that get those emotions high yeah. and get those kids fired up but also especially from the defensive side of the ball those players feed off that crowd so much. They do, and and so that crowd has a part of that win, and they have a they are a part of this program. Yeah, and they are a part of Wildcat Nation. So when you don't use your tickets, or when you give them away to yeah. someone, and or sell them to someone on the other side of the the, the 
the matchup, sell them to someone in red and gold, mm-hmm. I mean, you're hurting your team. So yeah. get your butt in the seats, cheer loud. I don't care how cold it is. Exactly. Me and Monty will be there. Yeah, we'll be there, and this time we're wearing jackets. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I might I might try to find a spot inside, let's be honest. So. <laughs> I'll be outside with the true fans. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be outside for at least the first half. Least for, I don't so. blame you. All right, well, um, coming up here shortly after the break, um, we're going to bring in a good friend of mine. Uh, we played together. Um, Ryan Young, one of the, you know, and a lot of times, a lot of fans don't get to know offensive linemen and uh, hear about him. But this dude, you know, from the time he stepped on campus, he's been a um, quiet, but quiet giant, I like to call him. But uh, he always left an impression uh, wherever he went. So I'm excited to get him on the phone and talk to him a little bit. So we'll be coming up here with uh, Mr. Ryan Young. The Tannehill and Spiller Powercat Podcast is sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. The Fridge is your source for all of your tailgate and party needs. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. And now we return to the Tannehill and Spiller Powercat Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Welcome back to the Tannehill and Spiller podcast. We got Mr. Ryan Young on the phone with us. Ryan, how you been? I've been great, man. How, how about you guys? Oh, we're celebrating a Wildcat victory, so. That's good, yeah. That was an awesome game last night, huh? Yes, definitely, it definitely. was. Yes, it was. Yeah. So, first off, kind of tell the fan base, uh, uh, first off, tell us like what years you played, position, kind of the just the overall where you were at when you were at Kansas State, and then uh, kind of where you're at currently. Yeah, so uh, I came into uh, K State in 1994. I think, Monty, you were uh, what uh, a year ahead of me, right? Yeah, I came in in '93. '93, yep. '93, and so uh, I remember coming in and, and, and Monty uh, being a uh, a solid upperclassman. Man, he was always nice to me and uh, <laughs> tried to tried to show me the ways of being a Wildcat, but uh, yeah, I was there from uh, 94 through 98, played offensive tackle, uh, played both left and right, uh, depending on where they needed me at, uh, served uh, a two-time team captain uh, under Coach Snyder, and and uh, played on that you know infamous uh, 98 team where we missed the national championship by one game. So We don't talk about that, Ryan. Yeah. We don't talk about that. I know. I know. Well, I, I live here, and you know, you're talking about where I'm at now. I live in Dallas, Texas, around a bunch of A&M people. And so every time they, they find out that I went to K-State, they bring up that game. And so uh, I have to relive that moment every single uh, you know time here when we talk about uh, Texas A&M. So anyway. But uh, I'm here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and uh, I serve currently as a uh, as a pastor of a local church here in Texas. So, awesome. yeah, just working in ministry. Uh, my wife and I, Charity, we have four kids, uh, all young adults between 21 and 16. So we're just being parents of, uh, of young adults and uh, working in ministry. That's awesome. That's good to hear, man. You know, you and I, we keep in touch a little bit. I think um, the last time we actually ran into each other face-to-face was at a ball game back at the um, – It was. Yeah, at, in, in Dallas at, at the um, Cowboys Stadium in, in, in Arlington or Dallas, whatever you want to call it. But um, so, you know, a lot of times I know what you're about. Tell us a little bit about your um, pro career. I was, you know, joking with Trav earlier. A lot of times people, they recognize the skill position guys but don't really remember or think about some of the guys that played in the trenches that allowed those skill position guys to become the big names that they are. So tell uh, our listeners about, you know, when you got drafted, where you went, and a little bit about your pro career. Man, it was it was a lot of chance, and I was in the right place at the right time, drafted by the right team, but I was drafted in the seventh round, so 
almost went undrafted, but I was drafted by the New York Jets. And, um, you know, the Cowboys almost picked me up and had the Cowboys pick me up. And I, I was, they probably would encourage me to either keep the weight that I had at K-State or get heavier. Well, I was drafted by the New York Jets, and Bill Parcells said, listen, son, uh, if you come in and you drop 30 pounds, you get down to 315, he said, you'll make my team. And so that's what I did, man. I was drafted uh, over the next two months, lost um, you know, that, that weight, got down to 315, came into training camp, lean and mean, leaner than I had ever been, high school and college, and um, worked my way into a backup position, ended up starting uh, about, uh, I think, five or six games into the season uh, at right tackle. And so um, got some rookie of the year honors with the Cowboys, um, or not, yeah, rookie, not rookie of the year, but uh, all rookie team honors with the Cowboys. Uh, and started for the next two seasons with the Jets. I was traded in the expansion draft to the Houston Texans, and so uh, I, I got to go through this ceremonial draft moment where uh, I was drafted second overall behind Tony Baselli, and so I got to go up and hold my jersey on uh, on the stage on ESPN, and they captured that moment, which was which was a pretty cool moment, but really sad. Uh, that I had to leave my family with the Jets because we were tight. I mean, we had a great offensive line and a great family in New York. Uh, one season in Houston, and then I signed my final contract with the Dallas Cowboys and uh, played one year of a three-year contract and retired uh, after five seasons uh, due to injuries. Fun, fun. Yeah, that's a uh, that's, – so you said five seasons. What, what was that injury, just out of curiosity? Well, uh, it's ironic. I, I fractured my hip. Uh, against the Cowboys when I was with the Texans, it, it sounds bad, but it was. Uh, but I probably rushed back. We had David Carr, uh, Derek Carr's older brother. Yep. Mm-hmm. We had David at quarterback, and we were we um, we actually uh, held. We were the most sacked team <laughs> in the NFL. We still had. I think we gave up seventy six sacks, and so I tried to rush back. Tony Baselli uh, never played because of shoulder injuries, and so I tried to rush back to sort of help a, a young line and, and probably rush the injury uh, uh, or rush my body back into action. Well, when I came with the, uh, to play with the Cowboys, uh, man, the, the hip injury flowed into the knee, and the knee was already, uh, you know, it wasn't great. And so it was actually a combination of hip and knee injuries that, that forced me into retirement. Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh... – that's a bummer, but five years still a still a great career. Five years longer than me. So. <laughs> Ditto. Hey man. Hey man. Hey, so you know, vested after three. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. No, I was, I was about to say vested after three in the NFL has really been good to me in regards to uh, you know I paid for my master's degree and and when I had a hip replacement about six years ago now, uh, and medical expenses and and just health uh they're doing a much better job now taking care of guys and that are vested at least and, and so uh really appreciative of what they do what they've done for me and my family that's 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 good to hear man you know and you're a great guy and you definitely deserve it um i'm happy to hear that you are doing a lot of things with your ministry and such and i kind of follow you a little bit on social media as well um do you um how much time if if possible i know you're in the metroplex area down in dallas and there's tons of football going on all the time how much do you follow uh this year's uh, cats current team with the new coaching staff and and i know i was talking to trav earlier about the o-line being all seniors uh, starting and coming up with senior day. What what are your thoughts on the O-line? And, and, and when you watch the games, what do you watch? Uh, you know, I, I just watch the uh, – I watch everybody. I mean, obviously I watch the O-line. It's, it's, it's my passion. And, uh, you know, I think they're big physical guys. Um, I just like watching the Cats in general. Okay. But 
I, I, you know, I pay attention. I actually had a chance to come in and, and talk to uh, uh, Coach K about uh, the player development role. Um, and um, unfortunately for me, I had to back out of the, the, the uh, process because we just could not move to Manhattan if they had offered me the job. And so um, I got a chance to meet him and ask some questions about uh, just the culture that he was trying to establish. And, man, I, I just I, I thought it was – I thought it was awesome that he understood uh, or he understands this generation of athletes because they are different than you and I, Monty, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> and Right. And and so I, I think that he's creating an environment that, that really speaks to those guys. But at the same time, you know, um, you know, there's part of me that knows that man, Manhattan is, is a very special place when it comes to recruiting and, and, and getting guys in and getting the right guy into the program and into, the, into Manhattan, Kansas. And so just – you know, wrapping your arms around well, what Coach Snyder had established. And so, um, you know, just just an interesting dynamic there. And, and you know, it looks like he's done a real good job of, of maintaining, you know, his, his identity, but as well as uh, building on what Coach Snyder and, and, and the K-State program was when he took leadership. Yeah, with the – you know, with your ministry, you're, you're obviously a, a high-character type guy. Did – first off – were you, first of all, were you always like that? And uh, and and or who had a big impact? Was it Coach Snyder? Was it a high school coach? Um, was it someone in the pros who really um, one got you to start living a, a life of faith, and number two, kind of allowed you to become that better man? Um, and, you know, because Coach Snyder does produce a lot of great men along with with, uh, yeah. with great football players. So who kind of had a big role, and not your football life, but more your spiritual and your personal life? Yeah. So. Um... You know, I think I think Monty would attest to this, and uh, I think he was a part of this. But honestly, like uh, he, as an upperclassman, he was really good about um, you know adapting himself to the K State culture and, and, and Coach Snyder's program, and then um, you know holding younger guys accountable. And, and I really do I, I do remember spending a lot of time with Monty, and uh, he was always uh, you know uh, a trickster and, and just a, kind of a fun guy to be around. But other guys were just like him, right? His class and higher, and so. Um, you know, you, you wrap your arms around the the, the the values and the virtues that Coach Snyder tried to instill in us, and um, you know it's evident when you be, when you have some success in this program. And so uh, sometimes you didn't always understand why Coach Snyder had us do some of the things that we did. But I'm telling you, as soon as um, I went to the NFL Combine. Like, I understood. I mean, almost every single thing that he had us do off the field, apart from football, uh, to prepare us to be men in the marketplace, men in the real world, apart from football, uh, came to light at, at the NFL Combine when you're meeting with head coaches and team owners and GMs. And, I mean, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, a job fair, essentially, right? And a guy like me who wasn't super talented athletically, um, I had to present something other than just, you know, my, my uh, you know, average, maybe slightly above average athletic ability at my position. And, and I, I, I owe a lot of that to Coach Snyder. And so on the other side of retirement, you know, um, I struggled a little bit with identity, you know, um, regardless of what I believed. Um, I did. I left the NFL, and I thought I left five years too early. I wanted to play 10. And so trying to wrap my arms around that identity, I, I dealt with some depression and, and uh, you know, I went through, uh, you know, some, some life situations. And so uh, I found myself on the other side of those things, making a decision. And, and uh, I chose, uh, you know, uh, my faith uh, in, in Christianity, my faith in Jesus Christ. And, 
all those things that, that, that Coach Snyder had given me were even illuminated to a greater capacity. I always compare it to this, that Coach Snyder, uh, you know, we came into the program and he put a tool belt, tool belt on our, our, our uh, waist and he loads that tool belt, up, tool belt up with tools. And so, you know, um, every once in a while I may have been using a hammer to try to, you know, uh, uh, screw in a screw. But uh, once I figured out what that tool was for, man, I use all the tools in the right places, and it has made uh, me, I hate to say successful in ministry, but just just uh, effective, yeah. right, in, in virtues and, and, and of manhood, being a husband and a father, and, uh, you know, just a, a man in ministry, loving on other people. Yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear, Ron. And I totally agree, and I know Trav probably <clears throat> does as well. You know, a lot of things that we— uh, learn that student athletes here under Coach Snyder and the people that also assisted with the program pays dividends. We had Deshaun Fogel on a couple of weeks ago, and and the question was asked. Trav asked Deshaun what was tougher, uh, the boot camp in the military or Coach Snyder's practices, and, and Deshaun said, without hesitation, the practices. So, uh, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been there. Yeah. Um, real quick, the, w- w- I guess, what do you miss? If if you can even think back that far, what do you miss the most about being a Wildcat when you in your playing time or when you come back to Manhattan? What what do you miss about K State? Man, that's just nothing like uh, the K State game day experience. You know, at the height, uh, you know, there were some guys that laid the foundation before I came in in '94. But when we left, I mean, just the excitement around the program, and you know, you know what it's like running out on game day in the stadium and. Um, I don't know, just the atmosphere and coming back and seeing a, you know that atmosphere at an even greater capacity, mm-hmm. and and there's this expectation of excellence and and you know uh, you know you know winning football championship football man you know uh, I'll even at that and uh, that's one thing I miss about um, you know just football in general is is the the fan uh, loyalty that we experienced in Manhattan. I hadn't really experienced that anywhere like that throughout the rest of my career. Yeah, yeah. No, there definitely is a pride about that power cat and, and the purple. And no matter what, you know, I'm from the Dallas area. Whenever I go home, I have the power cat on my truck and I run into other K-Staters and they come up to me and talk to him a little bit. So I, I totally get and understand what you're talking about. Well, Ryan, we really appreciate you taking time to uh, talk with us. It's good to catch up with you. Uh, if you're ever back in Manhattan, please hit me up. Hit yeah, Travis please, up. please. Yeah, we'll definitely get out, get you out for some dinner or something. Although I know how you, well, you probably don't eat as much as you used to. I remember. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> you old lineman could put it down back in the day, man. But um, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll definitely love to have you up and uh, kind of hang out with you. But we appreciate you taking time. Man, thank you guys for having me, man. I, I, um, we'll definitely uh, reach out to you guys and, and wish you guys the best as you continue to uh, just love on our our, our K State Wildcats. Right on. Thanks, Ryan. Have a good one. All right, you too. You guys take care. Take care. Awesome. That was Ryan Young. I love, I mean, that's probably been the, my favorite part of this, yeah. bringing this podcast to, to light, is getting to talk to, I mean, no offense to Ryan, but I mean, yeah. I was four years old when he started yeah. playing. He's an offensive tackle. Like, you say, hey, we're calling Ryan Young. I'm like, who the heck is Ryan Young? Big Ryan. And, but when we got a ton in common, I mean, yeah. men of faith, love football. Yeah. Um, so it's. I mean, I, I love all these guys that you've been able to bring on, and I bring some of the the, the next generation right, guys, Snyder right. 2.0 guys on. So, yeah. it's uh, I love that part of the show. It's, it's awesome. It's fun for me. It's fun for you. I think it's fun for the listeners also. But I've had other teammates of ours who 
also listen to the podcast, reach out to him and say, hey, man, thank you for having so-and-so. I was wondering where he was at. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize he was doing that now. So yeah. it's, it's fun, and I enjoy it and, and catching up. And I think the guys enjoy coming on as well because they have a love for our fan base just like we do, you know. Yep. So it's one of those things. But, you know, Ryan's a great guy. Um it's funny we met him in his in his prime big man 300 plus gentle giant but once he got on the field he would run you into the ground oh i was looking at some pictures <laughs> of him he looked like a mean dude he would pick you up smile at you and do it again that's man. a but that's great, a that's a large guy. human being oh yes sir yes sir so no he's a good dude good dude but uh two-time captain obviously uh obviously learned a lot non-football wise from a oh. uh, from a great bill snyder staff and yeah. was able to carry those uh those traits in the life. And I agree with him. You know, he said, I mean, me and coach, we butted heads a little bit. Mm -hmm. And by butted heads, I mean, I would disagree with him and I would keep my mouth shut. But, (laughs) I mean, it's not like I actually ever, like, challenged coach. But literally, like, the day you leave, it was probably a year or two after I left, after I was done, I'm like, man. Coach was right. Like, the real world's a grind. Like, it, man. Like, like it, there's no free lunches out here. It, and, you know, the funny thing about it, so many guys that I play with that I run into, as much as we hate it, and I hate to hate it, we hated the process that Coach Snyder put us through because we were young, immature. We didn't want to listen because we thought we knew what we were doing. But looking back, I'm so thankful and I'm happy that, we made it through the program. And because I had a conversation with Jamie Mendez a while back, um, so many guys that I play with, if you look them up, they're successful fathers, successful husbands, successful yep. businessmen. They're doing great things in their community no matter where it's at. They're doing great things for the youth. So as a whole, as a percentage, the program is producing quality men yep. year in and year out. And wins are important, but – Getting guys through the program to contribute to society, you could argue. I mean, we can't win two games and produce a bunch of good dudes. But, you know, if we can win eight or nine games a year and produce some great men, I think everyone's happy. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, but and two with what Ryan just said about the new Coach Kleiman staff being able to maybe coach a little different style to Mm -hmm. this new generation that's coming up. We saw an example of that with Youngblood on that kickoff return. Got in trouble for dancing. You and I both know (laughs) if Coach Snyder is still on that sideline, he might be done for the day. He might be done for the year. I wouldn't even – I would have kept walking to the locker room because I would have avoided Coach as much Yeah, but we saw saw Youngblood apologize after the game. Yeah promise that would never happen again sincerely yeah. yeah and you could tell that was a sincere apology that wasn't him doing it because coach made him mm-hmm. i mean that was like yeah i was a knucklehead yeah i'm a stupid you know i'm yeah. a stupid young kid it was him and and took ownership of it and, and i can i can almost guarantee that'll never happen again and i like the fact that he also said i'm probably going to get called from my high school coach as well <laughs> which is awesome that lets me know yeah. that his high school coach didn't play that either so that's that's good to see man yep. that's good to so see. yeah a little bit of a uh, different coaching styles both equally as effective, in my opinion, and um, and arguably, it's kind of the style you, th- these young people are are forcing them. To. I mean, I, I'm kind of in that in between generation where I'm a little more toward the millennial side, but I had a pretty uh, mm-hmm. black and white father and right. respect authority, and um, which was a great upbringing and, and something all you know instill in my children. But um, you know, this next generation, you just got to be a little, you a little softer, you, you a little have, softer to the snowflakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, and to a certain extent, it's one of those things where um, kids' feelings do get hurt, and, and you know, and it's okay. But but I've learned. Especially sure, you got to deal with it every exactly, day in the high school level. Especially with my son being in high school now, and the high school kids that I coach, communication 
goes a long way. Yep. And, you know, for me as a child, I was told what to do. Yeah. I got yelled at, and if I even looked sideways, I probably was going to wish I didn't. But now I, I feel like communication and, and sitting down with a, a young person and just truly communicating with them goes a long way. So I think Coach Kleiman and his staff are doing a great job with these kids, and I'm excited for the, the future of Wildcat football, man. Yeah, you and me both. Let's get another W this weekend. Coming up against the Cyclones, Farmageddon. Farmageddon. Should be a fun one. Should be a good game. That's what I'm excited about. I agree. I'm a win or lose. We got good football to watch. Preferably win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but So I'll, uh, I'll see you Saturday at the game, Monty. All right. Rest of Wildcat Nation. See you guys out there as well. Cold, wet, doesn't matter. Get your butt in the seats. Go Cats. You've been listening to the Tannehill and Spiller Powercat Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Powercat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.